you're listening to After All Things, WSHU's daily news and culture update from the Long Island Sound region. Southampton will honor the Shinnecock tribe with its own Heritage Day. Lawmakers consider a bill to better protect Connecticut renters, and Connecticut University officials are not happy with the governor's budget proposal. Those stories and more are coming up. I'm Sabrina Garone. Lung Association reports that Fairfield County has some of the worst ozone pollution on the eastern seaboard. WSHU's Bill Rodriguez has more. A new study from the ALA shows much of the country's air pollution settles over Connecticut, putting the state's children at risk. That's in line with what some state lawmakers have been saying for years. Children exposed to pollution particles are at greater risk for respiratory diseases like asthma, cardiovascular disease, and reduced lung function and growth, according to the ALA. Mike Seelbeck with the ALA says children can experience adverse health effects before they are even born. We know that uh, pregnant people, when they're breathing in air pollution, they're exposing the unborn children to high levels of air pollution that obviously... Uh, they have no control over it. Seelbeck says that switching to zero-emission transportation could prevent more than 27,000 pediatric asthma attacks in Connecticut alone. The study urges local policymakers to adopt standards for vehicle emissions as well as calling for the EPA to finalize pollution limits for new cars and trucks. Bill Rodriguez, WSHU News. The town of Southampton will honor the Shinnecock tribe with its own day in October. WSHU's Janice Roman has more. Town officials have designated October 1st as Shinnecock Heritage Day as part of a resolution at a local board meeting. Tila Troj is a member of the Shinnecock tribe. She says the resolution had unanimous support from everyone on the Southampton Town Board. It was really incredible. It was an incredible day at Southampton Town Hall. Uh, Numerous tribal members came to the town board meeting to support the adoption of the resolution and generally there's this feeling of happiness and excitement. Troach says it came about after Councilman Michael Iasilli reached out to the nation with the idea. She says they were asked to choose a day that was important to the tribe. They chose the date the tribe gained federal recognition from the U.S. government. It was all very exciting and and really a positive step forward in, in, in repairing a relationship that, quite honestly, has been damaged throughout the past 384 years of colonization. Troach says the recognition is a great first step to make way for a new relationship between the town of Southampton and the nation. She says they're in the process of planning an event to celebrate the very first Shinnecock Heritage Day. Janice Roman, WSHU News. Tenants who rent in Connecticut could get more protection against evictions in a bill under consideration by the State General Assembly. WSHU's Davis Donovan has more. The bill would protect tenants from no-fault evictions in apartment buildings with at least five units, as well as in mobile home parks. That's called just-cause protections. 
Hannah Schreier is the head of the Connecticut Tenants Union. She says she'd like to see that bill strengthened even further to include all sizes of apartment buildings. But we're not going to wait around for the General Assembly to take action while more of us lose our homes. Policy solutions are not moving fast enough to meet the housing crisis. This is the bare minimum policy, and renters want it, we need it, and we're not going to wait around forever. New Jersey and several other states have just cause protections. Lawmakers are also considering new funds for the state's security deposit assistance fund and more money for efforts to end homelessness. Another bill would require a 60-day notice for rent increases. Davis Donovan, WSHU News. Under Governor Lamont's budget proposal, Connecticut State Universities will see a lot less money in the next fiscal year. What that can mean for the future of higher education in the state? First, a message from our supporter. Local support comes from Hartford HealthCare, the only health system in the Northeast, with all its hospitals receiving A grades for safety from the LeapFrog Group the nation's leading independent safety watchdog group, hartfordhealthcare.org. The Southampton Town Board has unanimously approved a six-month extension to prevent the construction of battery energy storage systems. The moratorium was put in place after a facility was proposed for Hampton Bays last year. Janice Scherer is a planner in the town's land management department. Obviously a lot of opposition to uh, megawatt scale battery storage in residential zones. So that's the number one thing we'll be looking at. The moratorium is in response to a series of fires at battery storage facilities across New York, including in nearby East Hampton last May. PSEG Long Island is expected to be able to manage peak load this summer on the East End without the facility. The town of Southampton also agreed to hire consultants to help develop fire safety code at battery storage facilities. Members of Connecticut's Port Authority are opposed to a plan to merge with the Connecticut Airport Authority. The governor's proposal would rename the two agencies as the Connecticut Maritime Authority, and they would share staff and administrative resources. Port Authority officials say they don't really see a benefit to this, and if anything, it would shift focus away from their mission. New York led the country in sports betting last year. According to a report from the American Gaming Association, New York generated nearly $1.7 billion in sports bet revenue, followed closely by New Jersey with just over a billion dollars. Most of New York's revenue was generated in Queens and Yonkers. Residents, provosts, and students showed up and out in Hartford yesterday to request more funding from the Appropriations Committee of the Connecticut General Assembly. WSHU's Ada Uzenlar is here with me right now to tell me more about the looming worries for higher education. Hi, Ada. Hey, Sabrina. So tell me more about how this budget is shaking out for colleges in 2025. Interestingly, overall, the higher education budget for the next fiscal year is actually set to grow a little bit uh, in comparison to the current fiscal year that we're in right now, which is set to end in in September. Um, But 
the two major players or two of the major players in Connecticut, which is the University of Connecticut and then the Connecticut State Colleges and University System, which is just CSCU, um, they're both taking hits in a way. So UConn is seeing cuts to both their school and then also the health system that comes with UConn um, that actually services residents in like every town in our state. Um, so they're getting $93 million less than in the fiscal year 2024, the one that we're in right now, which is about $65 million less than what their request was. So now they're coming back after having seen the budget and they're asking for an extra $47 million to kind of make up for that. And we heard that in the committee meeting yesterday before the public hearing. Now, CSCU... They're also asking for more money this year because they saw a little bit of an increase, but that system has been relying pretty heavily on something called the American Rescue Plan Act, um, mm -hmm. which was funding that helped out during the pandemic a lot. So they've been leaning on that money, but it is set to run out for fiscal year 2025. And so they're getting around $650 million total this year for all of their funding. But without the American Rescue Plan Act, which is ARPA, um, it's expected to be around $520 million or a little bit under that. So CSCU wow. is coming back and they're saying, hey, can we get an extra $47 million as well? Yeah, that's a lot of money to be losing. Um, so what are, the, what are the effects that some of these schools are anticipating will happen without that funding? Yeah, that's one of the biggest things that representatives of these schools outlined to the Appropriations Committee is how immediate some of those effects will look like or how immediate those effects will be. So UConn's provost and Oliva came up to the stand and testified saying that one of the first things that could be affected are actually the student to teacher ratio, mm. which she says that students care about when they're applying to schools. You know, it's a kind of a big deal. It's one of the first things that show up. Now, that ratio is also really important because it's kind of like a domino effect of sorts. So if the student to teacher ratio is really high, then professors can get overwhelmed with all the work that they have to grade, the students they have to talk with. And then that can directly affect student research, which those students care a lot about, especially at a place like UConn. So she said at yesterday's committee meeting that that kind of thing can be pretty dire, which I could understand because estimates show, you know, the ratio could look as high as 21 to 1. So 21 students with one professor, which is kind of wild for UConn. Mm -hmm. There were also many students who showed up to the public hearing for the Appropriations Committee yesterday that another reporter at WSHU, Molly Ingram, reported on. They said similar things to Deliva. They know that the quality of their education is going to decrease if budgets continue to shrink, and they know that it's going to happen quickly. So those students came to show that they cared, and you know they do because those public hearings can get a little bit long. <laughs> so Molly and I wrote about the hearing and the appropriations meeting, which you can read at WSHU.org, or you can go and watch the public hearing yourself. Um, you used the word dire before. Um, I mean, really, how dire is this? Like, do schools get funding from anywhere else to keep them alive, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. So schools who are a part of the state rely pretty heavily on state funding because that means that they are also beholden to the state in different ways and have to listen to the rules that the state are putting forward. So it's definitely an interaction between the two, and it's very important for schools to be getting their funding from the state but they definitely do get their funding from elsewhere. So for example, the pandemic funding that the CSU system has been relying on for quite a while, the ARPA funding, it comes from the federal government. So, you know, it's coming from the US national government. Um, and UConn, for example, also showed in that appropriation meeting yesterday 
how they get funding from a variety of areas. It includes grants and contracts that are both from the federal government and ones that are private. And then obvious things like student tuition, right? Mm. Then UConn compared themselves to other schools in terms of what percentage of their total funding comes from the state. Cause it's good to show like, you know, we're relying on you guys for money, but at the same time, y'all aren't the only people that we are looking towards to get our funding. And they say that what they're asking for from the state isn't like completely out of left field because in comparison to other schools, they're like smack in the middle of that funding amount from Connecticut. So both of the systems are saying that it's pretty dire and it's really important the state are able to give them the funding they need to continue their work. But Ned Lamont, Connecticut's governor, is convinced that the amount allocated in the budget is going to be enough. So I guess we'll see what happens in the coming weeks. Ada, thanks so much for following the story for us. We appreciate it. Thanks, Sabrina. Talk to you soon. For the latest news from Long Island and Connecticut, you can listen on the radio or stream anytime with the WSHU app or on our website, WSHU.org. After All Things is supported by Hartford HealthCare. And just like everything else you hear on WSHU, this podcast and all WSHU podcasts are made possible with support from our listeners. So if you like what you hear, you've been listening for a long time, please consider making a donation to our station. All the info on how to do that is there for you on our website, which again is WSHU.org. I'm Sabrina Garone. Have a great rest of your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow.